the point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the essential New York Rangers podcast. I'm Andrew Chelney, alongside Nick Zararis. And Nick, they threw away a point against San Jose. They looked awful in a game at home against Vegas, and they finally started scoring goals against Ottawa. Couple that with the heel news that we'll get to in a second, and they really needed this all-star break. But before we get to that, Nick, a very special guest is joining us on the next episode. Do you know who that is? Sources are close. Sources close to the situation are saying "I emojis, I emojis, Rockland County." That that that's your hint. <laughs> I emojis, I emojis with a picture of the Palisades Mall in Rockland County. That's your hint. <laughs> if you if you make it to the end of the episode, you'll know who the special guest on the episode where we're going to be recording on Friday afternoon will be. So, Andrew, we sit here. At the NHL All-Star break, the Rangers sit somehow at 30-16-3 and three after playing essentially 500 hockey for a month. They are, I want to say, 12-11-1 in their last 20-something games. They have really struggled in certain phases of the game. They have limped along, but because of the cushion they built themselves up over the first month and a half, they have room. They were able to withstand a lot of the lumps of the last month. The big issue, I think we're all in agreement now, is they need to find a way to get Shesterkin going. Otherwise, this is all for moot. This entire team is constructed around having elite goaltending. If it doesn't have elite goaltending, there, there's no point of going to the playoffs, basically. Yeah, I, it, it, it's just it's very surprising more than anything else because we know how good Shesterkin is on a night-to-night basis. We, we've seen this man steal games for for entire seasons really like we've we've seen how good Igor can be so it's very just surprising more than anything else and i don't i don't think it's concerning yet just because he has built this track record of stability of this success that he has up to this point that i wouldn't say that it's a concern yet but it's definitely something that's on my mind like it's it's not something that it's that I'm just brushing away is a bad two weeks because it's it's now two months almost of yeah. of Igor playing very mediocrely and and just not making the big save or the save that you need him to make. Those shots are going in. And by the way, all of a sudden now the Rangers fans are quickly seeing what life is like with a normal average goaltender. Because that's what Shazirkin has been the past two seasons, uh, the past two months, it has been an average NHL goaltender. The Rangers have been spoiled rotten with elite goaltending for the past however many years it's been from Jockaman and Richter and, and Lundqvist. And, and just like the Rangers have had goaltending solved for 50 years. This little glimpse now has shown Rangers fans that, oh, this is what everybody else deals with. So at the end of the day, I'm not I'm not concerned just yet because of how 
long the tenured success of Shashirkin has been to this point, but it doesn't mean I'm not worried about it because I am. This is the lowest team save percentage the Rangers have gone into an all-star break with since 2018-2019 when they were actively trying to lose games. The team they were putting in front of Henrik Lundqvist in that 2018-2019 season would struggle to win games in the AHL. We're talking like Neil Pionk. We're talking John Gilmore. We're talking Rob, Rob O'Hara. O'Gara, not O'Hara. O- O'Gara, yes. Yeah, yes. Rob O'Gara, uh, Darren Spruill. No, mm. Ryan Spruill. You know, yeah, remember right. some guys. That's the yeah. type of defense we're talking about. Who was the, the guy that time. had a hat trick for some reason? Oh, uh, Adam Cracknell had a hat trick. On Adam Cracknell did have a hat trick. Yeah, but I'm thinking about the uh, the former Ottawa Senator, I believe. F- Frederick Clayson didn't have a hat trick. No, 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 no. It was a forward. It was a forward. He scored a hat trick out of nowhere and then uh, just disappeared into the. Oh, Pumple, Matt Pumple. Yes, yes, Matt Pumple. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. former Ottawa Senator. Why do I know he's an Ottawa Senator? Because I'm a psychopath and I just remember these things, but I can't remember his name. Anyways, carry on. Yeah, the last time the Rangers were in this diver of straights in goaltending was when the team was actively trying to lose, when it was playing just the most motley crew of guys possible to not intentionally lose, but have a hard time winning. So I went and pulled some numbers because I was curious about this. Right now, I split the season up into two halves, from the opening night to December 9th, and then from December 10th to the present day. The underlying numbers are all pretty comparable in terms of scoring chances, high danger chances, expected goals. All those numbers, there's not a a giant jump in any of them. So it's not that the Rangers are playing significantly worse defense underlying overall. The individual blowouts, that's what's going to make a lot of these numbers average out because we talked about this last week, the idea that, yeah, the Rangers lose a game 6-2, to two, but often they're going to have a good underlying expected goals result from that game because once the one team that's up big gets up big, they're going to stop trying to score and they're just going to turtle, they're going to play defense, and the Rangers are going to be able to accumulate scoring chances. So underlying-wise, it makes sense that these numbers are relatively stable first half versus second half. The big difference is the save percentage is down 10 points, 9-11 versus 901 at five on five and that doesn't include special teams which is entirely different but a 10 percent drop off in save percentage is significant and when you are talking about a team that is never going to be dominant at five on five it needs goaltending and special teams to hold up the evens if they're passable at evens with good special teams and good goaltending, the math works. The Rangers have done that for the better part of three seasons now, where when they've got at least two of those three things going, they win a lot of hockey games. And because of Shesterkin's greatness, they've been able to do a lot of that with no five-on-five play. Now, the question, and I know it got really ugly at the end of last week. After they lost to San Jose, they lost to Vegas. There was a lot of what's the point of the rest of the season. They're wasting their time. They're, we're wasting all of our times. I mean, there's a reason I didn't watch the game on Saturday. Aside from the fact WWE had a PLE, I was I was not in the mood to ruin my Saturday watching the Rangers. Because if they had lost to Ottawa, I genuinely would have been at the point of there's no point. Let they, the record show, by the way, that when you don't watch the games, they win. I just want to I just want to point that out. They won I, one game. I That's just, the first game all year I've missed, whether yeah, it be in okay, person you know, or watching. But you know what, though? They're on defeated in the games that you don't watch i'm just saying i want to know i'm just i'm just pointing it out we'll we'll conduct an experiment at some point later on (laughs) in the season and we'll see if that holds true because if if i have to make that sacrifice i'm willing to make that sacrifice (laughs) as far as my my idea at some point i would like to see 
I need to see some type of creativity from the coaching staff in terms of trying to get this team going. As good as the Panarin line has been this season, they concede a lot defensively. They are the only line that does anything at five on five. And you said this last week, and I'll repeat it now. Worst case, you just go back to that. I think there's a real argument now that based on what they're going to do, and we're going to start talking about trades, heedle, that kind of thing in a minute, but based on what they do there, I think there's a strong argument for splitting up Kreider and Zabinijad to try and get both of them going at five on five. And then you can figure out the rest of the lineup. I know it was good to see a couple guys who drew in last minute as injury and suspension replacements in Connor Mackey. It was good to see Connor Mackey get in the mix, get a fight, get in a fight and actually show some life. It sucks that somebody who was in the AHL had to be the one to show some life on Saturday. But at the very least, this break comes at a really important time for the Rangers. They need to hit that hard reset button. It'd be nice if Shesterkin wasn't their all-star. It would have been nice if they could have found a phantom injury for him so he could have gotten out of going because he needs the time off. Because as much as we want to say, well, Zabinijad, Kreider, Fox, Truba, etc., if Shesterkin's not at least a 9-10 save percentage goalie, they're not doing anything in the playoffs because that's just not the way they're built. It's one of those situations where, I, I yeah, I kind of... Part of me thinks... Shesterkin wants to go because I think if he really didn't want to go, the Rangers would have found an excuse for him. I, I, I'm, I'm sure they had a conversation of, you know, hey, do you actually want to go to this thing or do you want us to pretend that you have a calf strain or something and, you, you know, they'll send a replacement for you? I'm sure they talked about it because they talked about it with Panarin. Yeah. Panarin didn't want to go because he has a kid on the way. So they're like, okay, well, you know, he, he can't go, you know, and they'll find somebody else. And, then, and now Trocek is going. If, if Shesterkin really didn't want to be a part of it, he wouldn't have been a part of it. I'm sure there, were, there was a conversation had, and ultimately they, they decided that he was going to go. So may, maybe that was on the table, maybe it wasn't, we don't know. But I'm sure, I'm sure that they had a, a talk about it. But going back to what you were saying, like it... Without Shesterkin being at least an above-average goaltender, this is for nothing. Like, like you said, like no matter how good your team is, if you don't have a goaltender, like this team is ultimately built around the 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 principle that the best player on the team is the goaltender. So, if that collapses, guess what? The rest of the plan collapses. Like that's if 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 you're if you're building a structure based off, okay, like the base of this structure is indestructible. And all of a sudden, it you see chips and cracks along the way. Guess what? It's not indestructible, and the entire plan is it falls apart. That's what we're seeing now is, okay, well, for the past however, however many years, the plan has been, okay, the base is the strongest part of our team, and then we're going to build up from there. The problem with this season is that we are seeing cracks and chips where we haven't seen them before, and it is worrying. I agree with you. And one caveat we can add to that, something in addendum we can add on to that. How much, how much of our lives have we spent watching the Rangers overrate their own defense because they play in front of all-world goaltending? The Rangers for, the, the, for our entire lives, really. <laughs> the, the Rangers have run into this issue where all of their defensemen are pretty 
risk they're pretty inclined to take risks miller truba especially as a second pair have struggled over the last month because they've taken their usual risks and they haven't gotten the commiserate goaltending to go with that i i went and looked up something before to compare truba and miller over that same time span the december and um the december 9th for to the opening night and vice versa with the idea that if they are as good as the rangers think they are at defense maybe there would be a sign that, hey, this is just straight save percentage. In this case, it's both. They are conceding more against expected goals and high danger, and they're not getting the goaltending they've gotten in years past. That first month and a half, the save percentage was 950 for Miller and uh, Truba. And then since then, it's been about 895, 900-ish. So massive, massive drop-off, and it's no wonder. I, I went and looked it up. First month and a half of the season, the Rangers had 66% goal share when Miller and Truber were on the ice. Since then, it's been 44%. That type of significant drop-off is telling you that both the goaltending has not been as good and B, that the defense is not doing the goaltending any favors. And this is the last point I wanted to make on the topic of goaltending before we switch gears. Yes, the goaltending needs to be better. You also cannot expect the Rangers to win games where they score one goal. That, that's the other caveat here. I, I, Shesterkin does need to be better, but the Rangers are losing a lot of games 5-2, to 5-1, to 4-1, to one, and yeah, he needs to be better, but if they're only going to score one goal, what's the point? Well, that, that and where's the power play? Yeah, the Rangers. Well, that, I'm a little more inclined to say that's just averaging out. They weren't going to be sure. If you want to say that, sure. But the, the the problem is, is that if the Rangers were playing the exact same way in the power play, they just they just weren't scoring. It'd be one thing. But they are. I don't know what has happened in this power play over the past few weeks. It has been. A, it has looked like it's been a shell of itself comparatively to the earlier in the season. They're especially earlier, like watching that Senators game. They had power plays, and I think it was maybe a second period, somewhere along those lines, where the entire power play was them just passing it to each other on the blue line, and then it led to like multiple giveaways and turnovers and cha scoring chances for the Senators. Like, this is the best power play in the league when they're just playing hot potato, not shooting the puck at all, not moving, not moving their feet, not doing anything, just passing it to each other and then turning into shorthanded chances against. Like what what has like again, this team is built upon the goaltender being the best player on the team and the power play doing power play things when they get opportunities to score. That that's been the bulk of how, of how they play the past few seasons now. Well, Shesterkin is not playing as, as great as he usually is, and the power play isn't doing anything. So th that coupled with the defense also just not looking great. A lot, a lot of players coming back on odd man rushes aren't skating, not back checking. I don't know where this is coming from, and it, it's it's strange to see this come like come about seemingly out of nowhere considering how hard they work in practice to alleviate these problems but it's a there's there's a lot of problems right now with this team that they need to fix and hopefully this all-star break is a good reset the defense the power play i think that's tied to what we talked about a few weeks ago that just they don't have any confidence that they feel you, you know how they tell you you got to stay still when you're in quicksand otherwise you'll sink faster that's what the rangers have been over the last month is they've been trying to squirm against the quicksand 
and they're making more and more mistakes. The same thing with the power play. If you don't shoot, you can't turn the puck over. If you keep passing it around the perimeter for that entire minute 40, you're out there. You didn't turn the puck over. You didn't make a mistake. You didn't do your job, but you didn't make a mistake. And when you are fragile, when you aren't the most confident group, we can say this group is fragile. They don't respond to adversity particularly well, especially when it comes to individual games getting away from them. You think about some of the losses over the last month where they've just gotten the doors blown off of them. Those games were over midway through the second period, and the other team would just the Rangers make a mistake and the other team would counter. They'd make a mistake and the other team would counter. You think about the Vegas game in Vegas. You think about the Vancouver game at the Garden. You think about the Carolina game at the Garden. Those are all games where elite teams force the Rangers. And all right, Carolina is probably not elite, but good teams into making mistakes. And that's been the Rangers biggest issue here is that they are their own worst enemy right now, where they are making a lot of mistakes on simple things. I mean, the zone exits have been an atro atrocity for a month now. Other than Adam Fox, there isn't a single defenseman on this team that can recover the puck and get it out of their own zone cleanly. There just isn't. It is infuriating to watch these guys do all the work to get to that loose puck, win that loose puck, and then fail to clear the zone or fail to skate the puck out of danger. It's just, and you hit the nail on the head there of they work on this. They clearly know this is an issue, but they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's where it gets so frustrating to the point where it's like, what's the point? If they're not going to materially change their situation, what's the point of me watch sitting down to watch this game? If they're only going to beat up on the bad teams and still lose to them like they did the Sharks, what's the point? Well, that and they're seemingly just... they. Peter Laviolette like doesn't want to change the 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 D pairs much. I mean, I know he did on Saturday. That's because you, you're missing two defensemen. You're gonna have to do that. But the the stubbornness to keep Miller and Truba on the same pair, despite them fall like you said, they fall, fell off a cliff. Like they're not playing well together. They haven't been playing well together for years now. This is not a new revelation. This is this is we have seasons worth of data to, to back up the, the argument that Truba and Miller just are not a good defensive pair. His it's, it's, but it's not just his, like Gallant didn't do it either. Gallant didn't do it. Laviolette's not doing it. Why not at least try to see if Miller could play with, with Fox or with Gustafson or with Schneider or who, like whoever, just pick whoever you want. Try because it clearly eight and seventy nine are not working together, and also to a certain extent, like Lindgren and Fox, like uh, uh, there's been some problems there too. Like there's been problems all over your 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 D pairs. So, wouldn't the most sensible solution be to change your D pairs around just to see if it works? Because again, if it if it's such a bad idea, if it's so awful, you can always just go back to what you had it at. You can always go back to 879 if you really wanted to. You can like it doesn't just because you changed it for a period or a game doesn't mean you can't go back to it the next game. It's it's very strange to me that the Rangers work on this stuff a lot. They continue to make mistakes, but they kind of don't want to change their like their 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 pairings. Like that that seems kind of silly to me. I agree with you there, but the counterpoint I would have to that is we are not in a position to understand how much leeway, say, whatever word you want to use to describe it, 
the guys on the team actually have. Because it would not surprise me if the reason Trouber and Miller are still playing together is the captain of the team saying, I want to play with Ke'Andre Miller. Same thing with Zbigniew and Kreider, two guys on your leadership committee who have been on the team, two of the longest tenured guys on the team, where they're saying, we want to stay together. And that coach doesn't want to upset his room. At the, at the end of the day, you have to step up and say, okay, well, these pairings aren't working. We have to try something else. I don't disagree with you, but that's also just not the way the world works, unfortunately, because these people are because there's a human element you that there's a human element within these lineup decisions that sure. if Laviolette breaks those guys up and they start moping around because let's face it, the Rangers are not the most resilient team when it comes to not getting their way. We have seen them, like I just said, struggle against the quicksand for a month now. And all it takes is one more of those. And then all of a sudden it's everything was great with, with, with Gerard Gallant. And then they lost to the devils. And all of a sudden it was, we don't practice hard enough. We don't know what we're doing. So it's great that the Rangers all like each other and that they're all good friends and that they all agree Truba should be the captain. But if they're not materially improving their situation through their own actions and they continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, it is not worth your time. It is not worth your money. If the Rangers are just going to run back what they've done over and over again, it's not worth it. It, it. It's fundamentally not worth it. And that's where you get into why the middle of last week was an existential crisis, I would say, where a lot of people were looking around like, oh my God, we have all this money tied up in Kreider's, Abinijad, Truba, and um, Panarin, and we've won what two playoff series with these guys in the time we've been paying them. And the other teams in our division are a lot younger. Their other teams in the West are just better. And real quick, that existential dread will creep up on you. It, losing shows a lot of holes winning covers them up but losing very quickly shows the problems that you got on your roster and when you're winning you know even if you you look at past Stanley cup champions i'm sure the gm or 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 fans will look at that roster and say yeah i mean there are there were x problems and this and this issue and that was like that was not ideal and that and this and that like there's no perfect team Winning masks a lot of problems, but if you keep losing and you're, it's not only that you keep losing, it's that you're losing and your best players are just not showing up. Like Kreider had a good game on Saturday. So did Zabinajad. But up to that point, those two were miserable at five on five. They didn't do, didn't do a whole lot. And those are the two top forwards on the team. Kreider, uh, Panera's on the second line. So I'm talking about the first line specifically. Though, like those two guys are supposed to be your top overall talented players. Those are supposed to be the the, the players that show up on a on a night to night basis and have the ability to take over a game whenever they so choose. The problem is is that we haven't seen Kreider and Zibanejad do it for the better part of however however long you want to go back to. That's the most frustrating thing, and we talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. Against you could do it against Ottawa all day if you want. Corpusalo can't have a beach ball. It's like you can. It's like okay, that's one thing. But I want to see it against Vegas. I wanted to see it against LA. I wanted to see it against teams where they needed to win those games and they didn't do it, and their best players didn't show up again. At some point, things have to change, right? I mean, you know, it's bad when people who are employed by the team are talking about it on the broadcast when Valakat 
and Joe Micheletti are just dumping on the team, that's when you know it's bad, generally. Because MSG has done a really good job over the years of no matter how bad things are, generally speaking, they keep the broadcast on the tracks. But Valaket destroyed them after the game in Vegas, saying that basically they needed to look in the mirror, they needed to have a players-only meeting, that it's on them. And that was the message coming into the season. We had this the idea that nobody's coming to save you. No matter who you add at the deadline, you are not going to add a player that is going to fundamentally alter the the arc of your team. Can it bolster and improve what you already have? Yeah, but there is no player who is impactful enough that they are going to be the difference between the Rangers going on a deep run and being out in the first round again. It was on the guys who were already here to make a leap in wanting to be better. And they came out of the gate wanting to be better. The five-on-five play was good for about five weeks. The Fox and Hedo, the Fox and Kako injuries happened. The numbers start dipping. The power play stays hot. The goaltending is good enough. The goaltending takes a dive in mid-December. It's still not over league average. And since then, they have had a really rough go of it. They are purely riding the puck luck right now. These games are being decided on shooting percentage and save percentage. They are not playing good enough to the point they are dictating games anymore. I remember we talked about in early December the idea the Rangers were making their own luck the way they were playing, that they were funneling pucks to the net. They had the saves, just enough of the save percentage, I should say, enough saves from the goalies. And the power play was still the best in the league. That was enough at that point in the season that it felt like the good energy, the good vibes were carrying them for a ways. But when you live and die by the shooting percentage, you are liable to ups and downs more so than other teams that are a little bit better at five on five. And that's what the Rangers are right now. They have played 500 hockey over the last six to eight weeks. Help might come a little bit sooner now that we know Heedle's not coming back and they have that salary cap space to move around with. But no matter who they add, barring something completely out of left field, there's no X factor out there that's going to make this team a lot better. No, and even with that space, first of all, for a second, like I just want to say the, the most important thing for Filipino is to just have a healthy day-to-day life. Like, forget, yeah. he's out for the season. He's not, for, speaking of his saviors, he's not coming back to save the team this season. Like, he's he's out, he's done. And the most important thing for right now for him is to just make sure that he's healthy enough to just live. For, like, forget about the sport for a second brain injuries are very scary they're very dangerous and they're very unpredictable so it's the the fall he took in practice was was very scary and i just hopefully he can get to a point where he can get his life back on track and then maybe 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 he can go back to focusing on hockey but right now the day the day-to-day stuff for him is most important but yeah it's it's very just interesting that the, the this is a just it's a very frustrating team that's all i'll say because they we talked about this at nauseam at this point where the rangers came into the season and were mad at themselves they were mad that they let the devils win the series they were mad at how they played they were you know oh we're, we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and they showed up for the first six or so weeks of the season but since then it's been a lot of the same and a lot of the same of what we saw. Plus, Shazirkin hasn't been good. So it's it, the, the results have been even worse than what they would normally be. The Rangers would have maybe 
two or three more wins if they if they got a couple more saves and then you know they one thing leads to another but overall the play hasn't been there and okay well Hedo's out so that means you have a lot you have a little bit more more money to play with but you're not changing the fundamental DNA of the team you're not trading Zabinajad. You're not trading Kreider. You're not trading Truba. Or, you know, I, I saw, some, I think NHL or uh, NHL networks posted that like Keandre Miller could be on the move. That was Bleacher Report. Bleacher I think, Report. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know how true that is. I guess we'll wait and see. But you're, if you're moving somebody out, it is not somebody that has a big, impactful role on this team. But the, the issue with that statement is that, okay, well, if you're not going to do that, the the biggest supposedly impactful players on your team right now aren't creating a big enough impact. So who are you going to bring in with the money that you're sending out, with the cap that you currently have, which is not a lot, who are you going to bring in that is going to fundamentally change the DNA, one, of this team, and two, of the players that aren't providing the impact? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think there's an answer. That's something we talked about a lot two years ago, the idea that the Rangers wanted to have a certain identity. So they brought in a handful of guys who were fundamentally different from the, everyone else on the team. Guys like Reeves, Blay, Nemeth, you know, big, strong, imposing, not going to get pushed around. But bolting one or two tough guys onto a team doesn't make your entire team tough. It makes those minutes those guys are on the ice more difficult. But when the, your normal stars are on the ice, those other guys, they're not going to be there. So I know a lot of people are interested in certain types of players at this deadline. I know there'll be all types of conjecture. We got six weeks to the deadline. So until we get a better idea who's fully out of the mix, it's a little bit harder to forecast who's going to be available. But Adding, you know, your prototypical rugged bottom six guy. Like, I'm not saying this is like there will be somebody who writes the Rangers should look into Pat Maroon. Adding one tough guy to your team will not make everybody on your team. Can't tough. skate anymore, by the way. I just want to put that, that's that. a, that's just the example I'm yeah. saying here. That was the first I, person who no, came to mind. I, I understand. I understand what I'm what I'm saying to you is that there's somebody out there that's listening to this. They're like, oh, yeah, Pat Maroon's a good idea. Can't skate. He literally no. cannot skate anybody but him. Thank you. The Rangers' fourth line isn't atrocious without Benino out there. We also, yeah, they waved Benino last week since our last episode, sure. which we for in a he vacuum. Was brutal. Oh no, he brutal. He did not look like an NHL caliber player anymore. No. And you know, no. he's old, long career, a lot of miles. It happens. Sometimes yeah. it's just one off season, and that's it. It happens. I liked I liked his his ability to block shots is ge is just genuinely impressive. Like he for for all his flaws, his ability to one not care that he's blocking all these shots and two blocking them in such a way that didn't make him injured all the time is just an impressive skill. Yeah, he was atrocious in all other aspects of the ice, and it was objectively a good decision that the Rangers decided to waive him, but. People need to like future players genuinely should watch Nick Bonino and the way that he blocks shots because he does a really good job of that without getting his without breaking boats. And he also ran faceoff class, which I I, yeah. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Rangers used to be really bad at faceoffs, and now they're good at faceoffs, yeah. but it doesn't really matter as you know. The, at some point, I will go and back through the box scores over the summer and just compare winning percentage to faceoff percentage and look for a correlation because historically there hasn't been one. But I'll look again just to be sure. 
as far as filling out this team and talking about looking forward, they are very clearly at least one forward in the top nine short. If this team goes into the postseason with Blake Wheeler in the top six, they're not a serious team. Blake Wheeler is doing the best he can with what they're asking him to do. He is not equipped to play first-line minutes in 2024. We all know that. The Rangers know that. We're going to operate under the assumption that priority one is a third-line center, and then the second priority is another wing. They are going to have something in the neighborhood of $5 million in cap space to play with to add on to this team. They, I would have to think that they move Goudreau somehow. Somehow, some way, whether it be with picks attached, I would have to think that they ha- that they do that in just to create the cap space to make this happen. Like I, I, I get they that don't they have sh- to do that now because they put heat on LTIR. Yes, but they it, care too much about Gaudreau. It depends. That's the it, thing. It depends on who they're going after. Like if if they're if they're big whale is somebody that makes a lot of money. They will move Goudreau out. Nobody the pro- out there is making that much money though. That's the thing. Like, uh, like of the candidates, like guys like Henry, Glenholm, Eberly. at most, we're talking about 5 million, five and a half million against the cap. And that'll be prorated. And they'll probably pay a little bit more to retain because I, you and I are in agreement here. We both think Goudreau does not have a role on a Stanley cup winning team in 2024. No. We're both in agreement. He also that. just hasn't like under LaViolette. He, hasn't done anything. Yeah, so, no. I mean, like they that, moved that's into what, the wing with the idea that that Lavalette didn't Lavalette did not value what he brought to the team. I agree that, with you. That's what makes me a little bit more open to the idea that the Rangers are open to to moving Goudreau. Because if this was under if if Gallant was still here, it it wouldn't even be a thought in my mind. Even though we all know that he shouldn't be here with that kind of contract. But because Lavalette is essentially stapled him to that twelfth roster spot and just told them to to go out there and do his best with 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 what with what he's been given i do think it's a it's a little bit more likely than before like i i get the rangers chopped him in the summer i i there might be a little bit more urgency come the deadline we shall see i i go back and forth on this because there have been times where Drury is very quick to make his mistakes go away, like he made Nemeth go away after one season, but he also just kept Ryan Reeves on the team for two months in the last season for no real reason. Like he played 12 games and then got healthy scratch for almost a full month before finally getting traded when the Rangers could have been accruing cap space that entire time because they very clearly had grand aspirations at the deadline last year in mind. And their management of the cap last year was just suboptimal on many different levels. So I, I don't know. I agree with you. They should be looking at doing that. But as you talk, you brought this up a few weeks ago. They don't have second round picks in 2025 or 2026. They don't have third round picks this year or next year, and they don't have fourth ra- a fourth round pick next year. So the going rate has historically been about $6 million as a first round pick and going down from there about $3 million for a second round pick, et cetera, as far as making money go away. Everybody remembers when the Leafs gave the Hurricanes a first round pick to make Patrick Marlowe go away, and that was pre-pandemic. And we are not that far removed from what the salary cap was pre-pandemic. So ideally, yeah, the Rangers attach a third, a fourth to Gaudreau, send him to wherever, and they bring in two impact players because this group needs a kickstart. It needs a jolt because nobody on this team is really taking that initiative, really. And I know a lot of people were getting on the leadership group over the last week or so 
with good reason. You know, it's one thing for Truba, Trochek, Zabinijad, Kreider to say, hey, we're not playing well. We know we need to play better. But at some point, you got to actually do it. Just saying right. it doesn't achieve anything. And that's where a lot of people were getting frustrated last week. So Heedle's not coming back. Whether or not they continue to play Kako in the top six, I it feels like the prevailing sentiment is that I, they want to move him down the lineup, that they want him to be on that third line with Whomstever and Will Cooley. If they're going to go out, what, so what does that leave? You know, are we going to do first line Blake Wheeler? Do we need to go out and get a right wing, a center? It feels like they really do need both. I don't yeah. know if they're going to be able to afford to do both, but it really does feel like they need at least two more forwards. A hundred percent they do. And I think Chris Drury is very well aware of that. I, I'm, I, it, it would shock me to my core if Chris Drury was watching this team and, and with a straight face would say, yeah, Blake Wheeler is fine as the, as the first line right wing. There's no shot. No matter what PR might tell you, no matter what anybody says, I'm, I, I, I'm confident in everything that I have that Chris Drury knows that Blake Wheeler can't be the first line right wing heading into the playoffs in 2024. With that being said, okay, well, there's the hole there. There's the hole in the three C there's, there's potentially a hole in, in depth. If you re, like, if you maybe wanted to bolster that fourth line a little bit. Okay. So that's three moves right there. I don't think they need another defenseman at, cause they already have plenty in the system that they could use. If there's injuries, I don't think they need another defenseman there, but they, probably do need another depth forward at least i don't want jake bunch of letters up here even even brodzinski who, who's been okay in his role he was had that really hot hot start he scored a goal against ottawa but for the most part he's kind of just been there so okay well do you go and replace him that's another move you have to make okay well you need assets to make these trades you need cap space and draft picks or you know likewise players to be able to make trades like that the Rangers don't have a lot like they, they have if they really wanted to, they could send out this first round pick and get like get maybe fill two of these four boxes if they so chose. But that still leaves other holes that they have to fill. So there's Chris Shuri, there's There's a lot of work ahead of him, and it'll be very interesting to see how he goes about doing it. I think they need to prioritize that top six wing more than they do sure. uh, a third-line center. I think if push came to shove and I could only pick one, I think they need another wing for the top six more desperately. Because yeah. I'm not going to say they can get by with the current three situ the current center situation, because they can't, frankly. If they go into the playoffs with, you know, Johnny Brzezinski as the 3C, or, you know, if they're running both Gaudreau and Brzezinski as centers, that that's just not going to work for me. They they realistically need two, but if I only could pick one, I'd probably take the wing. I mean, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have to worry about any of this, but this is the hand they've been dealt. And I said a few years ago that the Zabinijad extension would end up being the Rangers' like defining transaction of the Chris Drury window because he that was going to be the end of their cap flexibility. It really feels like this deadline is going to be a swinging doors moment where either they get the recipe right and they go on a deep playoff run or they really have to consider something drastic in the summer, which that was the prevailing sentiment last year after last year ended that they get one more crack at it with this group. But if it goes bad again in the playoffs or God forbid they miss the playoffs, I, I don't think at that point you can keep bringing this group back. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs just because they won 
like all of their games for the first two months. So they're going to make the playoffs. The The question is, is that, okay, if Chris Drury makes all these moves again, and let's say the Rangers lose in the first round again, now what? What do you do? What 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 is the solution then? Because you still can't move any of your big guys you, uh, unless, like, uh, I mean, Gretzky got traded, so I guess anybody can be traded. But, like, the, for, the Rangers aren't going to, I don't think, make that kind of move where they trade Zabinajad and Truba. Like, they're not going to they're not gonna make a, a, a massive fire sale in the offseason. But, okay, if you're Dolan, if you're Drury, if you're Drury and you just watched your team lose in the first round again, well, now what? That, that that's the question that jury has to ask himself is okay well these are my big guys and if on the off chance that for some reason we get to the first round and we lose again well what's the summer 2024 going to look like because that that's going to be a scary season for everybody involved in the organization everybody is on notice you brought up Dolan, so I think we can talk about the Sean Monahan and Jeff Gorton stuff now. That multiple sources, Elliot Friedman, Arthur Staple, have both reported that don't expect the Rangers to be in on Sean Monahan because of the way Jeff Gorton's time in New York ended. I had a conversation with somebody earlier today, and I was telling you about this earlier that we probably should have been looking at Chris Drury as a GM for the Rangers a little bit earlier than we did, based on the idea that he interviewed with multiple teams, 2018, 2019, even 2020, where he interviewed with Pittsburgh, Florida, and Buffalo. Pittsburgh and Florida, pretty good jobs, genuinely, to come open when they did, and he ultimately decided to stay with New York, and somebody jokingly in my replies said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a, a bigger role in the organization, and Gorton looks across the table. Well, you're the number two. What role could you possibly be looking for? And I don't know how things ended. We still don't know. If somebody ever got to the bottom of what happened in that spring of 2021, I would love to know, like... Do we genuinely believe that the reason everybody got fired was because they missed the playoffs, even though they went into the season with Colin Blackwell as the second line right wing? Or did they all get fired because Dolan felt embarrassed that the most expensive player he's ever had on his team got ragdolled and nobody really cared about it? The, that That's the real question that you have to look at this lens through, because if you're of the opinion that they all got fired for missing the playoffs, which is the official narrative. That's what has been reported. That would lead you to believe Jeff Gorton got thrown under the bus because he had been operating under the assumption that they were doing the slow, gradual improvement and that when the time came, they would start pushing chips in, start spending more money. They already did that a little bit in adding Truba and Panarin, but operating under the assumption he was going to have a gradual runway, like what we've seen in Montreal, where him and Kent Hughes have really taken their time and haven't spent any money if they can help it, versus if this was willy-nilly, everybody got fired on impulse, I could really understand Jeff Gorton being pissed off that somebody he mentored somebody he brought into the organization in Chris Drury, or at least had a role in his development within the organization, Chris Drury, knifed him in the back, took his job, and threw me out on the street. I, I would understand if Jeff Gorton was genuinely pissed about that. And we'll never know because nobody in hockey actually does any real journalism. No, I, that would be too hard. Well, you see, you see, if you do that, then the, the GMs won't talk to you. 
So then why, you know, the, the, the check marks are very okay with, with not reporting on any of that. And then just, you know, p tweeting out pictures of anybody with the, the eye emoji and then just calling it a day. That's easier. And they get paid the same. So that's it. We are now at a point <clears throat> where this is, you know, the existential season that if they are going to keep running this group back, and when I say this group, we're talking about Fox, Shesterkin, Panarin, Zabinjad, Kreider, Trocek. If they're going to keep running that group back, they need to show some type of improvement. You know, I'm not going to say there's like a set they need to make this round, they need to do this, they need to do that, but there needs to be signs of improvement from last season for it to justifiably keep the same group together. <clears throat> Before we get out of here, I put together a list of guys who are pending unrestricted free agents, and I'm just going to gauge your interest. We don't have to rank them. We don't have to go too deep into them, but this is just guys who are pending unrestricted free agents, Don't, and we'll go from there. So I have Adam Henrique, who we've talked about. Yep. I mean, I, li I like Adam Henrique. It, uh, is, it, I saw a tweet earlier today that was like, I, w I want the Rangers to get Adam Henrique only because I don't want the team that's facing the Rangers to get Adam Henrique because then he'll yes. score a bunch of goals. Yes. Sure. I like I like oh. Adam, Adam Henrique, despite you know what happened in 20, 2012, like all that. I, I don't I don't care. I don't care. He's a they good player that can help quick. the Rangers. Yeah, I don't, point, I don't. I yeah. don't. I don't care. I don't care. Elias Lindholm, love it. Jordan Eberle, love it. Daniel Sprong, it's fine. It's all Anthony right. Duclair, he's fine. Jason Zucker, yeah, pretty good. Tarasenko, sure. Alex Weinberg. Sure. Jack Roslovich. Eh, nah, not really. Sean Monaghan. Eh, not really. Colin Blackwell. <laughs> I'm good. He's cheap and he's I'm got good. good underlying numbers. Listen. He wouldn't, he, to, he would only cost you probably like a fourth or a fifth round pick and yeah. he only makes a million bucks. Listen, as, if, it, if it's like an Arby's coupon to get Colin Blackwell, sure, by all means. If it's anything more than that, I'll pass. Oscar Lindblom. I would, sure. I'd rather have any of these people over like Jake Bunch of letters, like, but that's not saying a whole lot. So as far as prioritizing, do you think it makes more sense to prioritize a kind of shoot first supplementary wing type like Tarasenko, Vetrano, Eberly that they've done in years past or something a little more versatile, a little more multi-purpose like Henrique or Lindholm? Which skill set, not specific player, which skill set do you think this group would benefit more from? That's a really difficult question because like the Rangers are built around players that are good at a lot of things, but not great at one thing. Trocek is a really good example of somebody who's a solid player, really good at a lot of different things. But what is Trocek fantastic at besides winning faceoffs? Like what what is what is his a fantastic skill on on either end of the ice? He doesn't have one. He's really good at a lot of different things, but oh, but does he have like this one specific trait that just that that is leaps uh, leaps and you know leaps uh, uh, better than, than anything else the answer is no so the, the rangers have tried supplemental players the rangers have tried these guys that are are good at helping their teammates out with things essentially like the, the swiss army knife of 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 teammates 
But at this point, like I don't, it's it's tough because the Rangers re- kind of need both. They they really need a Swiss Army knife, and they also need somebody that will just go out there and do the thing that that they're really good at. Like they, Adam Henrik is a really good five on five driver. He is really good at creating offense at five on five. The Rangers desperately need somebody. Desperately need somebody that could drive play at five on five. So if they could get somebody like Adam Henrique and it won't cost them the key of the city to make it happen, that would be great. But it all depends on one, the price, and two, like their accompanying moves. If they get one player that solves one issue or two issues, that's great. They're on the right track. But if they don't solve the rest of the problems, it kind of doesn't matter. I'm in agreement with you. I think if I had to pick one of these guys, I think I would have to, I would really lean towards Henrique or Eberly. Henrique to be the three C kills penalties, probably sneaks onto your second power play or Eberly just to do what Frank Vitrano did two years ago, which is just shoot every time he touches the puck, which yeah. that's really the, that's Zabinishad and Kreider's big issue is that once they gain the zone, they don't really do anything when they're in the zone. They pass a lot. They don't really get the puck to the net nearly as much. I want to look deeper into Zabinijad, where he's shooting from, and we'll come back and we can circle back to that in the future. But if you get them a shoot-first supplementary guy, I think that would help them a lot at 5-on-5 five five and make some of the other issues for them specifically a little less glaring. Okay, I have one last question for you. Sure. And then we can wrap up. Is it woe or is it goal? No, it's goal. Yeah. It's goal. It, it, it is 100% goal, and that's the hell I'm dying on. It's not I'm, goal. That doesn't make any sense. They just scored a goal. You say goal. Like, that's, come on. That, that's what I've always operated under the assumption on. I, I, I've been very surprised how many people online say it's woe. Like, no. I'll, ultimately, this doesn't matter. This is stupid internet discourse. Sure. And, and, like, the most... In, the most mind-numbing, stupid discourse of all time. Like, it, there's a reason the Rangers dropped this the first day of the All-Star break on social, <laughs> because they very clearly knew they weren't going to have any content till the weekend sure. to bolster their engagement numbers. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's goal. If I remember correctly, Ray Castaldi, who wrote the song back in the said 90s, it said it was yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah. But, the, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, on that note, Andrew, we do have a second episode coming later in the week this week. We do the. He's a friend of the show. He's been on. He's been on before the season started to preview the team, and he will be back at the All Star break. It is our friend, the legendary, of course, Sam Rosen, will join us once again on the next episode of the show. We will ask him a bunch of questions about what the hell is going on, really, with this team in the past few weeks. On top of a lot of other things, but Sam will be joining us, and we are very excited for that. So we will be recording with Sam Friday afternoon. We will be doing that live on Friday afternoon, and we will still have an episode for you guys next Monday. So you're getting a double dip this week, and then you'll have normal schedule next week. All right, Andrew, you have the list to read, and then we can get out of here. All right. So we have some new subscribers on our YouTube channel. If you are new or new followers on Spotify or new followers on Apple Music or whatever, Tweet us a screenshot. We will we will shout you out in the next episode as well. New subscribers. We have Eric Grossman up in the blues. We have Dave E, Marco, uh, Mario Vaccarella, uh, not to be confused with Brad Chase and 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 what Matt Zarella of uh, of the Ranger of the Ducks and Rangers game a few years ago. And also we have Stephen Greco. Thank you so much for subscribing. Really appreciate your support. 
Uh, like I said, if you are new and if you're not on YouTube because we can see who subscribes on our YouTube, if you are new, a new follower, let us know and we'll shout you out in the next episode. Well, friends, we'll see you guys Friday afternoon with Sam. Until then, later. Later.